Hello, are we on the air yet? Welcome to the Core Performance Podcast, taking you one step closer to self-mastery on and off the course. Fire up that growth mindset, and let's dive into the core of elite golf and human performance. Now, here's your hosts, Ian Highfield and Andrew Losey. Hello, podcast world. As you just heard, my name is Ian Highfield, and I am one of your hosts on the Core Performance Podcast. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I am the director of the Core Golf Academy. I'm also a Penn State University lecturer, and I have consulted with golfers and athletes all across the globe on sports psychology, effective practice, and it's with great pleasure today that I'm going to try and share with you some of my learnings that I've made over the last decade to try and help you take your performance to a whole other level, both on and off the golf course. Um, now, it's not just going to be me here today doing this. My co-host, who is a, has a huge future uh, in not only golf as a coach, but hopefully uh, in the media world. And like myself, he is super inquisitive and obsessed with what makes the elite the elite. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce to you the co-host and maybe even more importantly, the newest recruit of the core golf coaching team, Andrew Losey. Andrew, how are you, dude? Ian, I'm doing really well. It's great to uh, finally get this podcast going, and I'm really excited to be joining the core team and uh, and be a part of this podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm you know I'm a I'm a very young coach. I'm 24 years old, but I have more experience than than it might look. I've been coaching for 10 years, and over my 10 years of coaching, I've worked with beginner players. I've worked with amateurs. I've worked with collegiate athletes and some pro players as well, um, and I'm really excited to be bringing that experience and and uh, and everything that I've learned to this podcast and to Core Golf. Well, we're we're super excited to have you, um, and you know our, our paths have crossed many times, um, but one thing that's I find extremely interesting uh, that you've been doing over the last year uh, is coaching a certain somebody's son. Uh, so why don't you why don't you fill the listeners in to a little bit um, give them a little bit yeah. of information of how you've spent your, your last year or so and the experiences you've got from that I think that's a, a cool story for you to, to introduce yourself so that certain somebody that I've been working for is Ian Poulter and I coach his son Luke and Luke when I started out with him he was a, a junior golfer that really hadn't played in any uh, national events and he wants to play he wanted to play in college golf and so we started to travel and we started to work with one another and practice every single day working towards that goal of him being a college golfer and after about 10 months of working with one another he committed to play at uh, the University of Florida so we're really happy for him um, and over the time that I've been working with with Luke and spending time with Ian um, I've gotten a complete awesome experience into the mind of one of the most elite performers in the game of golf, Ian Poulter, seven-time Ryder Cup champion, 
um, and, you know, hasn't lost a singles match. So uh, just imagine getting into that mind and spending time with that person. It's been pretty remarkable. So a, a good learning experience for his son with an excellent coach like you coaching him. Thank you. But I also, 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 maybe more importantly, an excellent learning experience for you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. I want to make this podcast as interesting for the listeners as possible. I want it to be free-flowing. I want it to be interactive, non-scripted. But I want the listener to understand what can make, what they can do to take their performance either as a person, you know, in the, in the boardroom, in the classroom, as a parent to the next level, um, or they can use it to take their golf to the next level. So, super simple question, just off the cuff, top three Ian Porter moments. Let's go. Okay, so, so I got to start right at the very beginning. Uh, the first day, before I even started working and coaching Luke, I came down to Florida for a visit and Luke and I are out on the golf course and we're on the 11th hole um, and it's a par five and I tee off, I hit my second shot and come, coming up behind us is Ian and his youngest son and they pull right up next to my, my shot, my, what's, what's gonna be my third shot. I've got 112 yards to the pin, I remember like it was yesterday and he pulls up right next to my golf ball literally a foot away from from the ball and he's just staring at me Ian's just staring at me and of course I'm intimidated but I hit this shot and I hit it to literally two inches it was one of the most memorable shots I've hit in my life uh you know I th I was super nervous in front of and hitting that shot in front of Ian but um that's got to be the first one on my mind I, I think you know uh, another Probably one of the other cool, really cool. Well, moments. before before yeah. you go on to that one, are we going to get Ian on the show? Are you going to have the magic to get Ian on the core I, performance podcast? I might be able to make that happen. I'm going to fact check the two inches with him when when he's on the you podcast. You can fact right? check that. You can do that. <laughs> I, it happened. Um, yeah, that was that was. Did really you make cool. the pot? I made the pot. <laughs> I tapped in. I made my birdie. Went to the next hole. It there was good. Go. Okay. Um, the next, the the other really cool moment is obviously he's he's played all over the world. He's met a lot of different people, um, and obviously is a great you know Ryder Cup player. And obviously, 2012 Medina Ryder Cup is really what kind of put him into the forefront as one of the best Ryder Cuppers. And on that Saturday where he was going off and he made five straight birdies. As he's in that middle, the middle of that run, Michael Jordan is, uh, you know, trying to intimidate him. And I didn't know about this, but so one day I show up to work and, and we're just chatting a little bit about the Ryder Cup and, and he goes, hey, did you watch this video on YouTube of, of uh, this Michael Jordan interview and talking, you know, ch chatting about the Ryder Cup? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. And so I get to work this one day and for the first 20 minutes or so that I'm there, I'm just watching this video of Michael Jordan talking about trying to get in Ian Poulter's head and Ian Poulter saying, I, I'm going toe to toe with one of the best athletes ever and hitting these amazing shots and hitting these, making these awesome putts and just going berserk. And so that was really cool. You know, I, 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 I got to ask him about, you know, what was his mentality? Was he thinking about certain things or what was happening, you know, just what was going on? And 
it's really evident that he was kind of just in a flow state and wasn't thinking mechanically. You can't think mechanically when you're under the gun like that. You just have to kind of react. And he was able to do that with pressure, obviously, from the crowd, everything that you're playing for in the Ryder Cup, but then also with one of the, the greatest athletes ever, um, you know, trying to, to kind of do you, intimidate him. Do you think Jordan intimidating it and trying to intimidate him pushed him more into the flow state? I think, think so. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, right? definitely. I, obviously, being around, around him, he has one of the strongest strongest minds out there on tour you know when he was just getting out on tour he's known for those you know crazy outfits the crazy pants uh the crazy hair the visor everything and you know he he gets a lot of flack from people but i think you actually mentioned that you you coached this about the polter pencil yeah, yeah. Where you, yeah. you know you you imagine that you have a pencil right underneath your chin yeah and you have to keep your head up and every single day, no matter what he's doing, he always has that puff chest out. He's always super confident. He always has his, his head up and his chin up. Um, and I think that just speaks to his whole entire mentality. So let, let's interject there because there's two, there's two things or three things related to, to performance. First of all, for the golfers listening, if you're trying to perform at the highest level, um, shoot a score, play your best, Getting bogged down in mechanics is probably not the best mindset yeah. to have. And the best mindset to have is to try and attempt to get yourself into, into flow state. Um, so we, we can go into flow state and we can go into that in, in other episodes. But ultimately, do not get down bogged down in your golf swing when you're under pressure and you're trying to perform to the highest level. Definitely. Put your mind in a different place. That will maybe allow a more fluid, more reactive swing to come to fruition, right? right? Um, and then the second thing I think, yeah, with, with regard to um, the body language. So you're right. I get students to put a sharp pencil underneath their chin, touch the base of the pencil on their neck, and the sharp point goes under their chin. And what that constraint does is it doesn't allow their head to look down. And when your head isn't allowed to look down, it's very hard to access negative self-talk. So most golfers, the way that they talk to themselves, um, if they talk like that to their friends, they would literally have no friends. They would have to play golf on their own, right? But sometimes our mind is just on autopilot and... We're never going to defeat that negative self-talk that we've kind of made an automated process or an automated habit. So by putting that pen or pen, sharp pencil underneath your chin and changing your body language and you can't look down because if you do, you get the sharp poke, it actually completely changes your, your self-talk. And I, I call it the pull to pencil because when I watch Ian play, his body language is just unbelievable. And um, he, he actually played in the British Masters with a, a guy that I coached called Chris Hansen in, in 2019. And I asked Chris, like, was it 2019? Don't fact check that because that date's <laughs> probably wrong. Um, but I asked Chris, like, what did you learn from, from Porter? And he said, body language and how to dominate the crowd. 
he said Porter would literally, him and his caddy would just dominate the crowd. Whereas Chris said he may have had a habit previously of hitting a shot and not quite setting the environment quite how he wanted it. So a lot of these small things in golf, we get bogged down in the mechanics, maybe in the boardroom, we get bogged down in the, the, the P&L or you know, the, the, the smaller details. But maybe if we just focus more on the freedom in our practice swing and our breathing on the golf course, maybe in the boardroom, if we focused more on our body language, keeping our chin up, our self-talk might be better and our processes are, that eventually lead to strong outcomes could be better in, in that meeting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so sorry to interject there. No, no, that's great. And I, and I think to add to that too, you know, um, Ian, you know, obviously he's a, both, a, he has a full-time schedule on the PGA Tour and the European Tour, and they just had the European Tour, um, you know, the championship that Colin Morikawa won, but there was this video that Ian had posted of the Pro-Am day where he shanked the ball on a par three into the water, and it was the Pro-Am day, and I saw it, and somebody said something about, hey, you know, if you, if you took that swing, that pro swing, what would your what would your golf professional at home, your PGA professional think? What what would they think that you would shoot every single day? And you might say, oh well, you know it's a pretty good career, but on that specific shot, he shanked it. Yeah. And I chatted with Ian about that about that tweet. I kind of had to hold my tongue a little bit, and and I said, hey, you know, I saw this tweet. You know, what were you what'd you do the next day? And he's like, totally forgot about the shot. And Ian's been known to hit a couple of shanks before, right? Yeah. Been known that to do that. Few hosel rock. I don't. I, the shank word scares me. Yeah, I, I will okay. prefer hosel rock. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. lateral rights. We'll <laughs> um, but so, so he has this ability to just forget. It's kind of like Dustin Johnson just forgets shots, um, and I think that goes. You know, you know, just speaks to his mentality again too, where he is so focused um, on what's happening right now, right in front of him, and what happened yesterday doesn't matter. Um, in the least and that and that's just a habit right that's not like anyone listening to this we haven't got like the men in black pen for those who have watched that movie where they can hit a bad shot and we can magically erase things you have to train your brain like forever for you to have that 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 pattern come through and to be that that mentally strong um is that too Top two or top three Porter moments that you've given I think, us? I think that's top two moments. I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, I so one of the things that, that I hope to bring to, to core golf is, is obviously my expertise in coaching. And one of those those spaces is in, is in bunker play. And so for me, some of the fun moments is, um, you know, that I remember are just going out to the golf course and watching Ian practice and kind of getting to be there with him. And he's just hitting bunker shots that are just so pure. And I mean, for me, it was just, you know, almost like gospel because he's, I think in, in this last year on the PGA Tour, he was in the top 20 for proximity and maybe like top six or so for scrambling from the bunker. So just just a lot of fun for me as a coach to watch that. And then, you know, like you, I just love being around high performers yeah. and just, just kind of being there, kind of fly on the wall. So there's so many moments and um, and yeah, I mean, just a, an amazing experience to have as a as a young person, he, um, young coach. 
He let you drive one of his Ferraris? No, no? he did not. Nope. I never he introduced you to Curry, though, right? What was that? He introduced you to Curry. Yes, he there did. There we go. Yep. Good old English. Love that's Curry. A, that's a true English guy introducing you to an, yep. an Indian delicacy yes. right there. Yep. Um, okay, so I think what we should ask you next is the top three things that you implemented with Luke. Because we, we, we're talking a... a a kid who was playing playing AJGAs or so when baseline I, AJGA tournaments. He had played in I think two AJGAs the month before that I got there, but before that he had not played in any national junior events. So I events. I think this is awesome because uh, for the core academy parents and the core academy students that are listening to this, we're talking Luke is a a, a level that probably a few of our kids are at. Yeah, uh, and that that maybe think that the Gators or Auburn or Alabama or wherever they want to go, um, Stanford could be out of their reach. But that's that's not always the case. So why don't you talk about the top three things you implemented with Luke, or that that Luke implemented with your guidance? Because I think sometimes as coaches we give ourselves too much credit, right? We got to right. give the player the credit. So. With your guidance, what were the top three things that Luke implemented that took him from a kid that's played a couple of AJGAs to uh, uh, playing at the Gators, the Florida Gators? Yes. Yeah. So, so the the first thing that I noticed as I look back on my time with the Polters is how much Luke has has grown physically. When I met him, he was maybe five foot ten or so, and right now he's six foot three, and so. In that growth spurt, we worked a lot on speed. We were in the gym, we were doing drills out on the range, just swinging driver as fast as he could to take advantage of that, of that, you know, that growth spurt, that speed zone. And so he went from swinging at about 108 miles an hour on average to now he's around maybe 116, 117, and that's over the course of about a year or so. Um, and with that, I remember. I remember in that first couple of months when we started to work on speed, he was swinging again around 108 miles an hour and we had track man out and he sees 108 and he sees a 107 point whatever and a 109 and he goes, he starts to get frustrated with himself and he's like, that should be 112, that should be this, that should be that. And I go, well, no, it shouldn't. We haven't put in the work to get to that yet. Mm. So, so again, you know, we worked on his mentality and realizing Hey, you know what? You have to put in a lot of effort to get to where you want to be. And, you know, obviously to get to Florida from where he started, you know, that's just a testament to the effort that he's put in. Um, obviously, there were some swing changes that we made. One of the things that I that we saw was he he had a lot of pressure on his trail side uh, at impact. So he's a right handed golfer. He had a lot of pressure at impact on his right foot when he was hitting driver and when he was hitting irons. He could hit a lot of great shots, but he could also hit some poor ones. And so we worked on trying to work on that sequence and getting pressured more towards the lead foot. That was really big for him. Um, and we saw immediately as we as we started to implement that, um, his scoring average in tournaments dropped from like a 76 to around 72 and a half maybe and he had a stretch where he was like 19 under par for you know six events or so cool. six you know six 18 hole matches so that was really cool um to see that happen really fast um but again i i think you know 
his dad has a great mentality, he's a great mental game, and the conversations that Luke and I have about the golf swing are much less impactful than the ones we have about mental about you know his mental um, mental game, and so we chat about you know some core strategy things and taking ego out of the decision of what club he's gonna hit. You know, there's a there's a, a moment that I remember out on out on a practice round where there was a par three, there was water in front, forced carry, and it was like 185 yards or so, and that's a perfect perfect seven iron number. But the pin was only like three paces on, three paces over the water. So um, we talked that night about taking ego out and saying, hey, you know what? Let's just take the six iron. If, if the conditions are such, let's take the six iron. Um, so we chat a lot about mental game. We chat a lot about um, reactions to, to shots, to outcomes, and how we can, um, even in practice, just realize, hey, you know what? I'm working on something. And take reaction out of it and realize, hey, you know, let's have a little bit more of a growth mindset about things instead of reacting poorly. Love it. So again, to, to interject and to try and make this uh, about the listener and not just me and you having a great chat about yeah. our coaching days. I think the first thing you've highlighted there is effort over outcome. So any junior golfer that's listening any parent that is listening, always be focusing on effort or to the parents be praising effort. Um, I think a masterful way you can do this as a parent is to post on social media how proud you are that your child goes to practice, how proud you are that your child attends an academy and puts hours of effort in. You could take a picture of them practicing and say how proud you are at the effort that they're putting in. As opposed to what we see a lot as coaches of parents taking pictures or even coaches taking pictures of kids with trophies. Because yeah. all we're doing there is we're glorifying the outcome and kids want outcomes because that's what they feel is going to get them gratification. But if we praise them for effort, they would work harder in practice. They would think that's what's going to make coach proud. That's what's going to make parents proud. And they would buy into the, to buy into the concept more easily that you created with, right. with Luke. And that's um, something that, that, you know, I'm guilty of. I, you know, Luke, you know, he sh when he shoots a good number, we'll, we'll take a picture of the scorecard and I'll send it to his dad and his dad might post it and I'll post it. Um, but, but I think, I think, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. If, if instead we posted those moments on, on the range where he gets it and, he, and yeah. he makes a breakthrough and we posted that reaction and that, that, you know, that coach or that parent saying, yes, great job, awesome, you, know, you put in so much effort to get there, that would make a, a world of difference. Yeah, I mean, I see I, the, even the picture with the trophy or the picture with the scorecard, but relating it back to practice yeah. effort. The message always has to be has to be around there. Um, I, I very rarely post results. I, I'll post professional results because sure. it's their job. Uh, and, I, and I love it when they, they win money because it's their livelihood and they've been working at it for years. But anyone else, I, I, don't, I don't even think I, I engage in that because I'm really trying to create an environment where that's almost irrelevant. What is relevant is the effort that you put in. And, you know, we're surrounded by, 
you spoke about Jordan earlier. He talks about that, about the practice effort. Kobe talks about the yeah. practice effort. You you read about what Ronaldo has put himself through effort-wise in practice to have a 24-year-old's body when he's yeah. 36 years old. It, it all comes back to practice effort. So, again, for, for any anyone that's listening, really, really, really try and disassociate yourself with outcome um, and really training your effort you put into practice and obviously the effectiveness that you put into practice is really where you want to seek uh, gratification. Um, you then, you talked a little bit about ground pressure. Yeah. Is that your, where you tend to go regarding the golf swing? You look at the floor and you look at the the way the feet work. Like what would, when when you come into core where you're, and you're watching the kids hit balls or you're giving lessons, where are your eyes are gonna go first off? What's the first part of call? So, so my my thing that I look at is I look at the connections that we have in golf, and we have the connection feet to ground, and we have the connection hand to hands to club. Um, so I I you know coming from the breed academy, I was taught that we look at the grip um, and how you hold the club. So that's something that I'm really big on. I definitely looked at Luke's grip. We ended up not changing it because he was kind of stuck into what he was doing and he has such a great lag to his swing that we didn't really want to change that too much. So the next thing that I looked at was how he relates um, or you know how his, how his lag actually now starts to be released into the golf ball and he would kind of lean back to chuck out the lag sort of. Whereas we wanted him to kind of hold on to the lag just a touch more and get the energy going forward instead of leaning back and kind of flinging the golf club a little bit too much. Um, so, I mean, as a golf coach and an instructor, you kind of have to look at it all and, and kind of how it relates to one another. But I would say, you know, I, I definitely start with, you know, the connections that we have and how we relate what's happening with those connections to, um, to the ball flight. So you kind of go ball flight to body and those connections that, you, that you've got. Awesome. So for those people that are listening, I think a great takeaway there is if you're in the Natick area uh, around about March time March. when you arrive, yep. uh, if you want to come and get your grip looked at, if you want to get your ground pressures measured, if you want to have a lesson with Andrew, come, let's get your ball there we go. a little bit straighter and there, a little bit longer. There we go. And then I think the last thing you talked about was ego. Yeah. Um, so I have a good one for that. Anyone who plays golf uh, that's listening to this, unless they're elite, an elite player, you probably don't have enough golf club in your hands to reach the target most of the time, right? Yep. Definitely any of the core academy students that are listening, they're guilty of this, and I've made them play this game. Uh, and for most people, if you want to perform better, um, in your Saturday medal, if you want to get your handicap down, if you want to win your member guest. When you go to practice, go play nine holes, hit a club more on every single shot than you think it is, and track where your ball finished. If it finished long, level with the pin or short. Do not take my word for it. Take the data that you're going to collect I promise you, take one iron extra, swing nice and smooth, and track where the ball finished. And very, very, very rarely 
will it actually be out the back of the green in any danger? The One of the things that's kind of cool to look at is where PGA Tour players hit it in relation to the pin position for that day. And anytime there is a front pin, the score is usually worst or worse than if there's a middle pin or a back pin because they try to to just get it on the yeah just get it on the green whereas they could actually take some more room behind the pin and play a little bit safer so that's something I definitely agree with is taking just a touch more club um, and you know again we we were chatting about ego there saying saying to yourself hey you know what if I hit this to 25 feet as opposed to five feet I'm gonna have a solid chance at, at two putting this and and minimizing how many bogeys I make. Yeah, and, and that's that could be a subject for for another definitely uh, another podcast. We could we could get the guys from Up Game on. Uh, we could maybe get Scott Fawcett on, and we can talk about these dispersion patterns that that golfers have and just general trends, uh, and then how you general trends in shot patterns and how by aiming away from danger, how by taking more club in this instance, how when it's into the wind, if you do this, then this is more likely to happen. Just rather than always seeking the perfect golf swing or always looking at mechanical change to lower score, start to play more with the golf swing that you have, own it and just learn to manage it. So that's one thing that we are definitely going to do on this podcast we are going to help people lower their scores and we're going to do it with all aspects of, of golf and performance, not just by talking about mechanics, right. um, which is awesome because that was going to be my final question. Three goals for this, this podcast. That's one of them, to help people shoot lower scores by understanding things like course strategy, course management, what they can do in the gym, we'll get Kevin, our fitness trainer on what they can do with their mental game. And the biggest one for me, how they practice. How can you actually practice less, but more effectively so that swing changes stick and your best game transfers to the golf course? So that would be one goal that, that we've kind of brushed upon. Before we finish the podcast, give me, give me two more goals that you have um, through mine and yours journey of of hosting the core performance podcast. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm really interested in is is looking at athletics and looking at businesses and and what makes an organization a high performance organization. Kind of looking at that environment. So I love looking at certain environments and seeing seeing what makes that environment create a, an elite performer. So for instance. Just today, I, I I was looking at something about the the Ball brothers in the NBA and and how there was you know their their father Lavar Ball he he had this environment where everybody was giving their full effort. There was tons and tons of competition going on, and on this basketball team, this high school basketball team, they had three NBA lottery draft picks and a rookie of the year come out of that organization. So that's just a, an environment that I love to kind of study and figure out, you know, why more people aren't doing something like that or what pieces can we take from that and, and put to golf or put to business um, to create 
you know, better golfers and more high performers. So, so I think that's, that's something that, that I think is a goal is to kind of study these environments. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I would always say, you know, we're, we're performance coaches. We love sport. We're very inquisitive. We're, we're pretty well read. We're passionate about helping junior athletes uh, evolve themselves as people uh, and golfers. So that's kind of where we fit into that. But there's actual, what, what you just said, there's legitimate people who study that and that's all that they will study. So I always want to be able to back up everything that we say on this podcast with some kind of evidence-based practice or further reading. So so far today, we talked about effort versus outcome. And anyone that was really interested in that part of the podcast, they should look up a lady called Carol Dweck uh, and read a book or listen to a book called Mindset. So Mindset by Carol Dweck would give way more detail than, than what we gave on, on effort versus outcome. Um, there's also a book called Ego is the Enemy. I think it's by Ryan Holiday. Um, again, someone who's very, very well versed in the situation, the things you just talked about, performance and understanding how human, human behavior. Um, so I would look up that book, Ego is the Enemy. And then I think it was funny you mentioned about the, the Ball Brothers because what you're talking about there, they're christened talent hotbeds. So you get certain pockets where just elite performers seem to emerge. Uh, and there's a book called Bounce by Matthew Said and another book called The Talent Code, um, which talk about how talent hotbeds arise and how important the environment is in, in fueling elite performance. So again, to build on your point, uh, I, I always want to be giving people more than just our opinions or our experiences on the podcast. I want to be able to either refer them to the, the literature that we've read that's helped us formulate our opinions, or even better, get some of these experts on the show uh, and discuss these topics uh, in more detail. Yeah, and I think that's that's another goal is to is to get some people that are smarter smarter than us that we can learn from. That, that should can, be that, that should that shouldn't be that hard to get. Shouldn't be that smart than us. Yeah, yep. that, that should be. Um, but you know, just to help everybody learn and try to get better. I think that's you know whatever aspect of life that you're in, whether it's you know just for personal, whether it's for business, whether it's for your health, whether it's for athletics, whatever we can do to help somebody and just getting some people on that, uh, that know more than us. Awesome. So there we have it. Three, three top important moments, three things you implemented with Luke to help him have this super successful journey this year and our three goals for this podcast. Andrew, uh, ever since I saw you at, at university studying in your PGM and we connected, it had been a goal of mine to like go after you and, and hire yeah. you. I saw you were working for the Porters. I just got the job at Core and I was like, well, there's no chance there. I may as well give him a call and see if he has any mates that want to come and work here. And and the stars aligned. So uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you as the as a co-host of the podcast. Um, it's an absolute uh, pleasure and it's very very exciting to have you as the newest recruit in the core academy golf team
Thanks for tuning in to the Core Performance Podcast, your one-stop shop for getting to the core of all things golf and human performance. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ian and Andrew, check us out on Instagram at Core Academy. We'll see you next time.